Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Friday, October 10th, and you're tuned into the Cleveland Baseball Talk podcast. I'm Joe Noga, joined by Paul Hoynes. Hoynesy, we are once again uh, coming to our audience from the Progressive Field press box, looking out over the field following the Guardians' 2-1 victory in Game 1 of the American League wildcard series against the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, pretty much just how they planned it, right? Uh, uh, get... Almost eight innings of uh, near-perfect pitching from Shane Bieber. And uh, Jose Ramirez comes through with a two-run home run. And and that's that's really about it. It makes for a short game story, huh? <laughs> Definitely. It, it reminded me, Joe, I used to cover the Browns a long time ago. And uh, Sam Rotigliano was the coach. And he said had this favorite saying. He said, great players make great plays in big games. And you look at the two guys that swung this this game in in Cleveland's favor, Shane Bieber, and most of all Jose Ramirez. <laughs> I mean, as if uh, Bieber gives up, you know, the solo home run in the six, and really, in, in the way McClanahan and and Bieber were pitching, you thought that was the game right there. But in the bottom of the six, uh, Ramirez comes up after a single by Rosario and does what he, the only thing he could do is hit a two run homer, and that's the game. And and really. We get, I guess, we get t- sort of tired of asking Terry Francona, the other players on the on the team, if they're ever surprised by something that Jose Ramirez does. Are we ever surprised by something Jose Ramirez does? He just keeps on coming through in big situations. You know, I, I was having a conversation with uh, Tom Withers, our Associated Press writer, uh, just a few minutes ago. It, you know, is could he end up being the greatest Cleveland baseball player of all time? Wow. Uh, maybe position player. Yeah, yeah. That's I think Bob Feller has got, yeah, the, got okay. the pitching if, if thing. If you're going to be up. specific about, yeah, <laughs> the pitching is is Bob Feller, but but really, just just look at what he does and and the way he impacts a game, all all facets of it, and and just how good he is. Uh, we can't take for granted. You know, Cleveland had LeBron James playing next door for how many years, and you almost lost sight of the fact that he was just so excellent every game. Jose Ramirez, maybe because he plays 162 games a year, you know, maybe you take for granted the fact of, of just how good he is. When he goes out and has a game like that in, in the, the playoff opener to, to lead this team of, of young, inexperienced players uh, out there and, and, and turn around a one-run deficit with one swing of the bat, 
you just you've got to give him credit for for being just one of the most clutch guys you've ever seen. Yeah, just uh, you know, just a, a, a guy like you said, Joe. He plays every day, and he kind of tuned up for this. It seemed like he got four hits. Four, went four for five in his uh, in his last regular season game. What on that was Thursday, right? Or mm-hmm. went, yeah, Wednesday. Thir- uh, Wednesday and against Kansas City. And here he goes. You know, he gets two hits today, and the big one is a two run homer. Gives him thirty. You know, for this whole season, what you know, twenty nine for the regular season, one for the postseason. But you know, I I just wonder. He's thirty years old, Joe. Signed a seven year deal. You know, there's going to be a little fall off, obviously, but. Can he still – what is he going to be like when, when he's 34, 35, 36? The guy hasn't really had a serious injury. Right. You know, he's, he he plays 150 to 160 games a year. Uh, if he keeps that way – you know, if he keeps playing that way and he's such a natural hitter, a good hitter, a switch hitter, you know, that, that he might be yeah. one of the best uh, position players to ever wear a Cleveland uniform. Uh, I think he's at like 40.3 war right now, according to baseball reference, and that's not a – that's not a perfect stat for for telling you who the greatest uh, Cleveland baseball player of all time is, but but you know he's up there. He's fifteenth on the the franchise all time list now. If he plays out this contract and and plays at anything close to the level he's been playing at for the last three or four years, then you know he's going to be in that conversation. He's going to be definitely on the on the Mount Rushmore of uh, uh, of Cleveland baseball uh, for sure. Uh, this just sort of this kind of game cements you know, what his, what Cleveland fans should feel about him. Uh, and they gave that love back to him. You know, this, for the, for the first time in how long there were 30,000 fans in the stands, it wasn't a sellout, but you know, the place was rocking when he hit that home run and uh, we'll get into the, uh, the, the challenge part of the, the whole, the whole situation here in a minute. But, you know, once it was announced that it was indeed a two run home run, he comes out of the dugout and gives him a curtain call. And, and that was just a great moment. And he said in the post game, he said it was exciting. It felt good. He likes to he likes to feel like that. Yeah, you know, it, it was a cool moment. And you know, Joe, I'm walking down to the interview room after the game, going down to steps, and the fans are singing like mm-hmm. Jose, Jose, Jose. You know, it's just like okay, you, you were know, giving you, wait, wait, wait. What you just did was the Buster Poindexter version of Jose, <laughs> Jose. Uh, they were giving the the English soccer chant. I, yeah. I like I I, you, I don't think you did that on purpose, but uh, it came out like the uh, the hot, hot, hot Buster. Point extra yeah. version of, of Jose Jose. Uh, you know, you're right. You cannot heap enough love and adulation on Jose Ramirez for, for what he does for this team and, and, and what he means, I guess, to this city. And, and again, he's the guy that stuck around. He's the guy who, who earned that moment by signing on the dotted line and saying, hey, I want to be here for the rest of my career. So uh, it, 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 it did work out exactly how they planned it. Yeah, he's an interesting guy, Joe, in the fact that we don't know too much about him. You know, what what do we know about this guy? What does he do away from the field? And we're starting to, from for the first time, we're starting to see him kind of emerge. You know, he's not that guy that just sits in the corner and lets Francisco Lindor or, you know, Edwin Encarnacion or another guy talk. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of the lead voice to this to this club right now. And, you know, he's becoming more and more vocal. Terry Francona said it best earlier this week. He said, I wouldn't be able to do what I do and and preach the message that I'm preaching to this team and get them to play the way that I'm getting them to play if 
Jose Ramirez wasn't playing the game right and setting that example. All of his, all Francona's words would be hollow if the best player on the team wasn't following along and buying in. And that's the case right now. And, and uh, you, you see the result here. Now, uh, the other side of the coin, uh, you got the Redemption World Tour for, uh, for Shane Bieber in Game 1. That's about as good an outing as, as we've seen out of Shane Bieber. Uh, and, and he's had some pretty good ones here down the stretch. Uh, he was dominant. Uh, what, eight strikeouts, one walk. Uh, three hits allowed in seven and two third innings, and and really there was no time. Even even the solo home run to, to Jose Siri, uh, there was really no time that he didn't look like he was in complete control out there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, he uh, you know he had a no hitter through going through the fourth. Uh, you know Harold Ramirez ruined that in the fifth, but he was dominant today, Joe, and it, and he has been on. He's been on a run. I think mm-hmm. he's uh, what ten and two in his last uh, t- thirteen or fourteen starts with an ERA like one nine eight, one nine six, under two. I mean, he is he's just you know he's been really consistent when they've needed him the most. Yeah, uh, he he logged the the longest, I guess, the deepest outing for a Cleveland starting pitcher in the playoff game uh, since Roberto Hernandez went nine innings in an 11-inning 2-1 victory against the Yankees uh, back in 2007. Uh, his eight strikeouts were the most by a, by a Guardians pitcher in, in a postseason start since Mike Clevenger uh, struck out eight in Game 3 of the ALDS uh, here against Houston in 2018. And he's the second pitcher in franchise history uh, to record a, a, an outing of seven and two-thirds or more innings with eight or more strikeouts. He joined Bartolo Colon, who did it twice? Uh, I mean, this is not just the, the in terms of the, the franchise stuff. He's doing it against uh, a Rays lineup that is is has the postseason experience. They've been in the playoffs four years in a row. Uh, whether or not they're they're completely whole uh, right now in, in terms of healthy or, or you know what kind of uh, Rosarino was in a, a terrible slump and still is. I mean, he he dominated these guys and and. In, in a moment where, you know, they knew this is it, this is the playoffs, we've got to turn it on now, and, and Shane Bieber kept his foot on their throats. Yeah, I mean, Yadi Diaz was back in the lineup. Uh, Wander Franco is back in that uh, Tampa lineup. A, re, a Rosarina, like you said, Joe, has been in a slump, but Ramirez has been hot. Choi, you know, kills, uh, has big, big numbers against uh, uh, Bieber. Uh, so, you know, that's still, you know, not a great it's, – it's, it's a lineup similar to uh, Cleveland's. Uh, you know they have they've won 28 games without a home run during the regular season. Uh, Cleveland has won 31 games without a home run uh, in the regular season. Those are the top two uh, teams in baseball. You know in that category, so they're built along similar lines, but they have more power, much more power than than Cleveland. Yeah, how satisfying was it for Shane Bieber to to come out here after really uh, his last playoff start in this building? Back in 2020, he he, did, he got roughed up real bad against the Yankees. Uh, didn't last very long. In a year that he won the Cy Young, and you know had all that momentum going into that first game, and just you know got rocked. And this had to be a, a, an opportunity, a, a situation where where he looked at it as you know he needed to erase those sort of memories from the past. 
Yeah, I talked to him about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, he's he, in the past he said he would have used that as motivation, you know, and I think in, 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 in a way he said he still did. You know, he still thought about that. But I think after, after what he went through last year, Joe, with the shoulder injury, uh, you know, he said, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of a different pitcher, a different person, and he just kind of wanted to go out and pitch well. I mean, he used that as a springboard, I think, but it wasn't the, the driving force behind that performance today. Yeah, he, he certainly did uh, go out there and, and open up some eyes and, and, and impress some people with, with that outing. Uh, seven and two-thirds, he gets to two outs in the eighth and uh, gives up a pinch hit uh, single to uh, Isaac Paredes. And uh, you, you, we kind of knew it was, was a possibility. We saw it coming. Uh, Terry Francona goes to Emmanuel Classe uh, for a four-out save uh, with the, the tying run on base. Uh, he calls Classe in, and, uh, you know, Classe, I'm sorry, Classe got, uh, Paredes was the pinch hitter um, uh, it, it, that he faced for the, the, the third out in the eighth inning. Got him on a ground out and then went one, two, three in the ninth. Class uh, A looked like he can handle going up and down uh, in, late in a game like that, and that it wasn't too much of a burden for a guy who led the you know tied for the league lead in appearances. Yeah, this guy he is a dominant closer, Joe. I think he likes the challenge. You know, we we you know we heard a couple of uh, we we talked to uh, you know Terry Francona about him a couple of days ago. He said initially, you know, uh, like last year, like when they asked him what. Well, we need you to pitch three days in a row. He was a little reluctant, but he's grown into that role. I think he loves this. Mm -hmm. You know, he uh, the, you know he pitched. We saw him earn three saves in a row uh, earlier in the season in Colorado. You know, he was fired up about that, and uh, I think this is right up his uh, right up his alley right here. Going, you know, being you know the kind of the the lockdown guy for four or five outs when you got a lead, and this is postseason baseball. This is. This is the way you win championships. Yeah. You remember there was a time when we did whole podcasts on whether or not uh, James Karinczak or Emmanuel Classe would be the uh, would be the closer. Uh, uh, it's funny how things just have a way of working out and, and uh, you know, the cream rises. And not it, not, you, not to shake a stick at, at James Karinczak and what he's contributed no. to this club uh, throughout the season. He's certainly, uh, you know, done more than his fair share. But Classe is just special. You can see it when he goes out there. And, and like you said... He he is a gamer. He loves going out there and striking guys out and getting outs. It's it's uh, he said back back when he made the All Star team, he just wanted to go to the All Star game and <laughs> strike National League guys out. He didn't care. He just wanted to go strike guys out. Uh, he's he's uh, unique, one of a kind, and and right now you know those are your your top three play your top three players right there: <laughs> Bieber, Ramirez, and Classe. Uh, I think anybody looking at this team, would, would you, if you're starting a draft, yeah. you're picking you're picking one of those three guys, and probably all three of them off the top. Yeah, you've got well, you got you got your opener, you have got your starter, you've got your you know cleanup hitter, and you've got your closer in those three guys, and uh, that's a good way to start a ball club. Yeah, not bad. Uh, there was a, a little bit of moment of doubt uh, there in the in the sixth inning after Jose uh, Ramirez hit his home run. Kevin Cash, the manager from Tampa Bay. Uh, first, the the Rays appealed whether or not uh, Ahmed Rosario had touched second base while rounding. 
the replay was pretty convincing, uh, pretty conclusive that it showed that he did. But again, uh, Cash, after the appeal was unsuccessful, Cash challenged it. He sent it to New York. And, and that's a situation where we've seen Terry Francona get burned in the past where it looks like it's pretty un- indisputable on uh, on the replay, and yet the, the word comes back from New York that it didn't go his way. So there were some definite moments of trepidation, I guess, uh, for, for Francona and, and the rest as they waited for the uh, the confirmation from New York that, that yes, uh, Rosario had indeed touched second base uh, as he was rounding the bag. Yeah, you know, we've seen uh, a run added to the board against uh, Cleveland this year on the catcher's interference call that got reversed, and now we we may have seen a, r- a run taken off the board. Uh, you know, if if they had ruled that uh, Rosario had had failed to touch second base, uh, but you know it, it didn't work that way. But what how, what would the react the react those umpires? Oh, I don't think they could have made it that wouldn't call. have been it wouldn't have been safe. Uh, yeah, that's. Uh, it's, and, and we all sort of had the same reaction. How can you make that call, or how could you make yeah, that call? But That's a tough call. But again, uh, Cash said that he his his replay coordinator said he thought maybe he spotted something. So with two challenges in the postseason as opposed to one, hey, you rolled the dice in that situation, yeah. knowing that it's a, it's a close game. You can't fault him for that. Uh, we asked Ahmed Rosario if he thought maybe there was some gamesmanship, maybe uh, you know it was some... So, you know, I believe Tom Withers opposed it. Was, was it Bush League for them to challenge that? Uh, and, and Ahmed said, no, man, this is a competition. We're out here trying to win. They're out here trying to win. Uh, you know, we get that. And and you got to respect that. But, man, uh, there there was a, a moment there where everybody was holding their breath in this this whole ballpark. And then, uh, you know, shortly thereafter, after it was confirmed, uh, the, the roar went up and and man, when Jose hit that home run, could you feel? Could you feel yeah. the stadium shake? It was, you know, it's still not a sellout here today, but but the the fans were here. They were out. They were all wearing red, and and the ballpark shook a little bit when when Jose hit that home run. Uh, all right, one more to go. Uh, boy, I could use an off day on Sunday. <laughs> I could use a day off of of, of no uh, of no travel, of no coming to the ballpark. Can can they just get this wrapped up by about one thirty on? Our, actually, yeah, it was about. It was a pretty quick game today. Uh, you know, let, let's say three o'clock. We we have everything all uh, put a bow on it and 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 head to New York on Monday. Yeah, that would be uh, that would be uh, ideal. That was the game was what two seventeen today. Oh Lord, and it, it flew by. So uh, no pitch clock. We don't even need the pitch clock. <laughs> you just... But yeah, you know this, this is this is a you know. Tristan McKenzie finds himself with the seat, you know, with a chance to, you know, bring put the team on his back and uh, get them to New York with the victory tomorrow. Yeah, and it's if the Guardians' offense is going to do it, uh, they're going to have to do it against a, a really good pitcher in Tyler Glass. Now, uh, we know he'll be limited. Uh, he probably won't go that deep, maybe five, six innings if he's if he's uh, healthy and, and on on course. But uh, again. Uh, five six innings of Tyler Glass now is usually maybe a run or two, uh, if, if you can get to him. Uh, they, they showed last week, you know he can strike guys out, and and, and he's he's a real effective pitcher. Uh, I, I, do you think they can get it done here uh, tomorrow uh, before any weather before having to play on Sunday again? Yeah, I, I think there's a chance, there's a good chance. I do. I, I think this series, you know, is really evenly matched. But I think uh, the Guardians, 
you know, they're, well, they're in the driver's seat now. Now they've got, what, two games to win one. So uh, we'll see what happens. All right, that'll wrap it up here from uh, Progressive Field. Again, the final score, 2-1. to one. Uh, We'll look forward to uh, another podcast here post-game on Saturday uh, to wrap up, uh, you know, this, uh, this stretch at home. Uh, hopefully uh, the Guardians get it done, and, and uh, we'll, we'll have more content for you on Sunday here on the Cleveland Baseball Talk Podcast.